Welcome to Concord Matters, a show seeking for Concord, agreement in Christian confession. Concord mattered to Jesus and Paul, and so it does to us also. Spend these next 60 minutes as we talk matters of Concord. Concord Matters, a program produced by the Christ-centered leader in confessional broadcasting. Worldwide KFUO, online at KFUO.org. And welcome to Concord Matters, the show where we seek to be of one mind that is the mind of Christ. And to do that, we read through the Lutheran Confessions, the Book of Concord, that has stood the faithful test of time to be the testimony of what we believe, teach, and confess on the basis of Scripture. And to help us make our way through that, we have our core of the core cohort <laughs> of Christ Confessing Concordians. I we like have layman Peter Slayton. Pastor Peter Hill and myself, Pastor Sean Smith, uh, uh, taking us through, uh, well, we, we did the, the article on the law, the small called articles last week, and, uh, we had an excellent question come in, uh, as to regards of how the, the article on the law, uh, ties into a real life situation. And, and as is often difficult when you, when you are a live call in show, uh, which maybe we'll give out that information again here. Uh, Pastor Hill usually, uh, handles that for us. So get ready for that in a second, but I'm going to continue setting us up here. So, so we had a really good question there, but, uh, when you're talking live on air, your brain has to like function and your mouth has to move. Um, at and, the same time. Right. And, and while I feel like we answered the question sufficiently and so forth, there, there's always things as soon as you're done on the air. I mean, the same thing happens in my sermons. I don't know about you, Pastor O, but every time I sit down, I'm like, ah, oh, I could have said, you know, like <laughs> the sermon is never done until it's out. And then I re- wish I could re-preach it. You same could, thing the, happens. The day after the council meeting, all of those things that I needed to say that I didn't say come to me. Yeah, it's usually three in the morning, and I think about calling the council members, but right. I haven't done it. Well, yet. So, so there's it happens so on many, live radio. Yeah, a lot. there's yeah. always so many facets to a question and an answer that you can't fit them all in. But sometimes we leave out good ones, and this was a good one that yeah. we left yeah. out. And and, and and especially as we're then jumping into and and so I, I did a poor job of setting up the show today. So today uh, we're going to continue making our way through the small called articles written by Martin Luther himself. And Ooh. last time we covered part three, article three, nope. Article 2 on the law. <laughs> and today we're going to be get, getting into Article 3 of repentance. And they're very much, I mean, for Luther, it's it's like his pen just keeps on writing. And he's like, ah, I'll just throw a new article in here uh, that we're talking about. <laughs> and so they're very much related. And so it works. But we, we got a, a couple questions that came in after our caller uh, that provided that really good uh, thought-provoking question that uh, we... we all of us continued to think about after the show was after uh, we have a, a Facebook message group that we kind of message each other. And we were messaging on their thoughts and uh, we, we plan on addressing anyway. But we had a specifically one question that I think really provides an opportunity for us to readdress that and then also connect it into the article of repentance. So, Pastor L, I'm going to go ahead and throw that to you uh, to, to read that question for us. Sure. Uh, the question really comes down to this, um, that the... Uh, does the power of the gospel break God's Old Testament law, or does it stop God's Old Testament law? I think I'd I'd reframe it. In other words, because we now have Jesus who comes and who calls us to love one another, does that mean that the Old Testament law no longer applies in the life of a Christian? 
And that question came to us from Bruce. Um, uh, I'll just give the first name there. And uh, that, that uh, is an excellent question that then gives us this opportunity to tie into Article 3 because um, I'll, I'll let you guys jump in and respond to that question specifically. Um, but uh, one, one thought that comes to my mind to jump us off on there is the first paragraph of Article 3 on repentance in the small called articles. It says, The New Testament keeps and urges this office of the law, as St. Paul does when he says, The wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men, citing Romans one eighteen. Also, the whole world may be accountable to God. No human being will be justified in his sight, Romans three nineteen through 20 And Christ says, The Holy Spirit will convict the world of sin, John 16 verse 8. And of course, we'll, we'll get into the rest of that article here still yet today. But I think this gives us an opportunity then to address that question. So the, the question that the caller had was a, a concern over a pastor who had said, uh, essentially, I'm going to grossly boil this down. Um, <laughs> but uh, essentially, that pastor had made the case that um, um, because of Christ's coming and and in in the the work of love, it eliminates the place of the law um, in, in terms of you know an issue like abortion, right? That that the idea is to love, and so then Bruce uh, had this question about, well, is that the case? Especially, um, well, and he he cites in his question. I don't know if you read it. I, I wasn't paying attention. Sorry, but uh, <laughs> he cites in his question. You know, what about love of the the baby, right? Yeah. And so I'll, I'll go ahead and let you guys uh, respond to that then, Layman Slate. Well, I, I think yeah, one of the things we didn't tackle in that is that when when the pastor that that our listener was discussing with makes cites a difference between the Old Testament law and the law of love as if they're two different things. That's actually where he starts to go off the rails to begin with, because when when Jesus is asked what which law is the greatest. He actually summarizes the Old Testament law into two, love God, love your neighbor. That's actually his the law of love, if we're going to talk about that, and where Jesus then tells them to love one another as I have loved you, which I think is also part of the reference to that law of love. This is all the same thing. There is no difference between any of these things. This is all still part of that same law of love. And in the Old Testament, maybe they didn't use the word love when it was given at that time, but the understanding is, this is what it means to love God. This is what it means to love your neighbor. It's still, it's it's a it's a it's a mistake to separate them in that sense, um, rather than talking about fulfillment. You know, because he didn't talk about fulfillment. He talked about going away doesn't apply. Well, actually, that could okay. I'm going to stop there because <laughs> what well, again? You use too many words, and you're not careful with how you're using your words. You're actually going to veer off track very quickly and very easily with this. And I'm already doing that. And here we are on the radio using lots of words. Yeah, I'm already, like I said, I'm already doing it. (laughs) I think that a helpful distinction to make in this case is that we are people who live at the same time as sinners and as saints. As sinners, we need to hear the law continually and regularly. And like like you said before, Peter, this idea that we take the Old Testament law and really just see it as love, love God, love your neighbor. And the love of the law of love, as it said, isn't anything new when Jesus tells us to love our neighbor, love our enemy, love God, be perfect as my father in heaven is perfect and so on. Instead, we simply say, oh, so this is what it looks like to love. 
So the sinner needs to continually be reminded what it is to love. The Christian, the new man and the new creation in Christ, simply hears the law not as what you have to do, but as the the normal formative part of, oh, this is this is what it looks like in action. And so instead of hearing you have to, it's a, as you love, this is what it looks like. And so according to the sinful flesh, we say, oh, I have I have some repenting to do. And according to the new creation that we are in Jesus, we say, oh, this is just what it looks like to live like a Christian. So then when we come to this question of, of abortion and how the pastor online was handling it, well, yeah, the, our, our Bruce here is right in that in order, what does love look like? Well, loving that child means you don't kill it. That's, that's pretty basic. I mean, that loving the mother means a whole bunch of things in how you take care of her, how you talk to her through this situation, how you support her in all of that. There's a whole bunch of things that it, it's, there's a lot that goes into it, but Bruce is right in pointing out, okay, well, there's two people that need that love in this situation, the mother and the baby that has been created. And so this law of love actually needs to be applied to both of them. And and what does that look like when I'm caring for them? So in the case of abortion, well, you you can't really say that that's an option because if we're actually doing what the pastor says, which is apply the law of love, well, the law of love means I don't kill that baby. Well, and and also I think we maybe even mentioned this in our response, but uh, last week, but you know, in love for the mother, if she has had an abortion, right? Mm-hmm. It's a very loving thing, as we'll talk about when we talk about repentance here, to to go and say, look, you're you're heading down a dangerous path here. You're transgressing um, what God has said is good, and 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 I would actually argue that um, what what. A mother who has abortion, and again, I, I'm sensitive to the fact that that uh, some have had abortions and, and they come in repentance and believe in God's grace, cling to that. I, I, I don't want to beat you up with the law. You know, I, I want to rescue with the with the sweetness of the gospel. And, and I think we commended, you know, trying to bring Christ into the conversation is very important. Sometimes we don't do that. Uh, sometimes we just continue to to beat up those who have stumbled and fallen into sin. Right. There's forgiveness even for the sin of abortion. And so we want to talk about that. But, but for a mother who has an abortion, it's really a love of self, which is nowhere given as the kind of love that we have or should have, right? It's love God and love your neighbor. And so a mother should be loving her neighbor, that little one who, who is conceived within her, right? That's her, her neighbor that needs love. Right. This is a hard thing within our culture that is teaching us in every single place you look that you are to love yourself, that you are to have self-esteem is simply another way of talking about self-love, that you need to care for yourself in a very self-centered, selfish way. Not, you know, there, there, there might be a positive way to discuss that, but the whole point is you are supposed to be inwardly focused on yourself and your own comfort, your own happiness, whatever it takes for you to feel however you think you should be feeling, uh, which may not even be happiness, but they're whatever this ideal is. And so this massive, I'll say curved inwardness, which is actually the way we've talked about sin. I mean, that's that's what this is. We, we are We have a culture that has defined our identity around curving yourself inward and making sure you are looking inward to yourself and caring 
only about yourself in that way. There, there's no room for love of neighbor in that then. Yeah, and, and these articles, sin, law, and repentance, are very much connected together for Luther yeah. when he's writing this in the small called article. So that's a, a good way to phrase it, too. And, 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 and to finish my thought, too, I mean, so, you know, the woman who has had an abortion, as my neighbor, I need to consider, you know, reaching out to her in love, right, um, to, to lead her to repentance, that she may receive the sweetness of the gospel, things like that. But for, for love to be demanded is a self-love, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, so if I may give another example, a previous place I served in ministry, we were right across the street from a, a university campus, and uh, we allowed parking in our back parking lot, but not in our front parking lot. And we had a sign there. And I remember while I was serving there, uh, one of the students who really wanted to park in our front parking lot, and we warned them that they would be towed and things like that. They <laughs> they took a picture of it and posted it on Twitter and it kind of went around and it, as things tend to happen, they got back to me, right, yeah. uh, as, as pastor serving there. And, and uh, they said, oh, those Christians, they're just so loving, right? Well, that's a self-love, right? <laughs> you want to park where you're, you're, according to the law, you're not able to park. And it was in love for our neighbors. Um, we had a preschool there that the moms needed access and dads needed access to drop off and pick up their children. Uh, we had people coming in and out of the office. We had funerals, things like that. So we needed that front parking lot in love of those neighbors, right? And in love for our university campus neighbors, we actually allowed you to park in our parking lot, just the back one, which would require you to walk a little bit further, right? Um, but see, this is this is what our curved in on ourselves, right? I love I, my legs I, not being tired. That's more important right. to me. I want to demand that you love me the way that I want to be loved. What actually makes you God then? It makes you the center. Well, or maybe uh, not even our, the way that I want to be loved, but the way I define love. Right. Uh, the, the way that I interpret you to be loving. Yeah, and like you said, we're the center. We are actually the ones who define what love is at that point. And then that's not love at all. And the law comes and shows us exactly what love looks like. And so this is why we say the the law doesn't go away. It simply points for us who are now Christians and a new creation in Christ to say, oh, so this is where the nuts and bolts of, of love really come into play. It, and, and there we go. And, and we talk about, you know, and we've talked a good bit about here about love of neighbor, but but also that then it doesn't go away in terms of love of God and what he calls mm-hmm. good and what is true and, and his commands, especially relationship to the Ten Commandments, uh, especially commandment not to kill. Uh, we, we have that love of God when we, when we keep his commands. And I think this is maybe a good place. Um, we were talking off air about how we wanted to get into the discussion of the three functions or three uses uh, as a common vernacular of that. Uh, but I know Pastor Ill and I both prefer functions. Um, I'm, I'm totally okay with functions. I yeah. like that, too. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and so uh, we are in Concord in this. But uh, I, I think this is a helpful... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> they can't see you cheering, Pastor yeah. L. Your, your That's hand, okay. Raising probably your hands for the better. and waving doesn't uh, help. <laughs> but uh, to, to talk about then, and I'll throw this to Pastor L then, too. So talk about those three functions and, and how they would relate to this discussion then as well. God's law works in three different ways. And it the reason that you and I prefer this idea of talking about functions instead of uses is uh, pastors or Christians or anybody doesn't get to determine how the law does its work. It just does these things and we can see it in three different ways. First, we can see that it says don't do things that everybody can agree are sinful. Um, Everybody can agree that axe murder is wrong. 
So nobody, uh, if you're a Christian or non-Christian, doesn't matter, uh, nobody should axe murder. I think we can all agree to this. Uh, that's also uh, referred to as natural law. But then there is also the law that uh, stands in front of us like a mirror and calls us to repent, to turn from our sinfulness and to live in faith in Christ. And then the third function or way that the law works is by showing us exactly what love looks like and it has that guiding effect. I always think about the uh, the old like Model T cars at the amusement park and uh, – you can't drive them off into the field or under the roller coasters or anything because I've there's tried a, too. Yeah, <laughs> you're not the only one. Yeah. Uh, I had a friend or something, right? Uh, but because there's that there's that uh, iron beam underneath that won't let you just drive anywhere you want to go, and it keeps you moving in the right direction. That is the function of the law for Christians. That says, oh yeah, th- this is what love looks like. This is what the Christian life looks like, and the law sends us on our way. And, and so when when it comes to a specifically how we're, we're talking about in, in terms of love here, it shows us what that love looks like. You've said that several times, and I think that's a good idea to understand uh, in relation to the mirror. And so connecting in, I'm going to back up first before I, I finish that thought out. Uh, so in, in relation to the article two on the law. I would say that we, we definitely see Luther citing the first two functions there, and, and especially the second function, the mirror, when it shows me just how much I'm transgressing it, uh, or were the words that he used here. Um, yeah, it shows us, you know, the, you know, just how bad a sinners we are. Uh, it's made us worse sinners, right? We see, we see mm-hmm. how much we transgress it. it. It shows me for what I really am, right? Um, the next sentence that we haven't yet read is actually a really good one for this. This is God's thunderbolt. Mm-hmm. I like that. You're yes. stealing my thunder. I, I'm, I, I'm sorry. ready to go on that one. I'm yeah. sorry. Well, it's just amazing. <laughs> so, so to finish this thought out, then, so then we we have uh, you know the the curb and the mirror, right? And, and those definitely relate into what Martin Luther is laying out there in that article on the law. Um, and and as it, it'll transition then into this repentance article, right? Um, that uh, we we see that you know when convicted of this, right? When when we when the mirror is held up to us and we see, and it drives us to repentance, it drives us to Christ, and then when we receive that forgiveness. Uh, I, I know that uh, the way that, uh, you know, I was taught in confirmation things that to, to view that third function is, is, you know, that's specifically for the Christian. Mm-hmm. And it's really the first over again. But for the Christian, it says, oh, yeah, this this is what God has said really is good. Right. Yeah, this is and, good. This is, yeah, his this will. is the right way to live. Yeah. And uh, and and so living in repentance, then we, we see. Oh yeah, love of God and love of neighbor are are lived out in these ways, and uh, and that doesn't transgress the laws. Um, that doesn't say that the the Ten Commandments have no binding effect on me. They do in the sense that they no longer condemn you to hell as they should, because Christ has fulfilled the law and saved you from it. But then you look at it with new eyes and say, Oh, isn't that great that I don't have to worry about that anymore, right? And and that I can live in this in the full trust that even when I fail because we continually will with the sinful flesh still clinging to us. I cling to Christ, but I, I still endeavor to live this way because I know that it is good, and I know mm. that it is the greatest love revealed to me, not only to save me, but to say this this is how the happy life is lived out. As we talk about how Christians interact with the world around us, this idea of the first use of the law is really helpful because uh, I know there's a really strong temptation sometimes to say, well, you Christians just need to go out there and tell people what the Bible says. And part of 
part of the experience that we have is people might already know what the Bible says. They simply might not care. Or I, that's harsh. Uh, <laughs> let me back that off a little bit. Uh, they they know that that's what the Bible says, but for whatever reason, it's not changing their life and it's not changing their viewpoint. And this is where we have a chance to say, according to natural law, according to not doing things that, that everybody recognizes as as wrong or harmful, this is really just not a good idea. And it offers a place to say, you know, there are some things that are just common to human beings and human dignity. And so in terms of human dignity, uh, we don't ask murder uh, caring for uh, people who are who are people in inside uh, their mommies weak and vulnerable uh, as weak we and vulnerable um, are well that's what we're called to do every just about everybody can agree that uh, the weak and the vulnerable need somebody to fight for them and to be their advocate and so we can all commonly agree we should just do that and as we do that it gives us a place to say this is common sense law but as the law keeps doing its function, we're able to say the Christian who is guided and shown what love is, that comes ultimately from Scripture. We stop, at, at one point, we stop saying, well, this is just common sense the way people should live, and we start saying, this is what Scripture says, and we get more and more into that. I, I do have one comment on the, the whole common sense natural law aspect of it, and that I think in our particular context, um, as as our culture's conscience is getting hardened, that's actually becoming less of a common sense touch point. So I think people, as as you as you approach that, you do have to kind of see where the person is at as you're talking to them, because I think we'll be we're, we already are encountering and will encounter more and more. That's actually less helpful because people simply do whatever is right in their own eyes. I mean, kind of going back to the days of Noah Tower of Babel kind of stuff where it's like no they actually legitimately think that axe murdering is good i mean we're at, we can already see that manifesting itself in other areas um of our culture and how it's happening where it's like it's natural that's not natural this over here is natural yeah because my sinful nature has that desire for self love i set yeah. up idols within yeah. my heart all the time uh and and it's often not necessarily in the case of abortion, but it's the good things, right, that mm -hmm. easily become those idols for us. And, and, and so in the connection then with everybody doing what's in, right in their own eyes and, and what Pastor Ill said he was going to back off on, you know, and saying, <laughs> you know, that they don't care. I don't know that you have to back off because Luther was kind of forceful. I mean, he said uh, in paragraph three of Article two of the law, he said the rest become blind and arrogant. As has been said above about the scholastic theologians, they conceive of the opinion that they are able to keep the law by their own powers. I mean, I, I don't know that we have to back off because that if I if I evaluate my own life, I become very blind and arrogant and say, well, I can keep the law, you know, kind of on my terms, right? And, and and I can I cannot worry about this law because God's love for me says that I don't have to, right? Uh, Jesus's uh, death on the cross then becomes of no effect, though. But we're going to talk more about that in terms of repentance as it ties in here. But okay, I thought Stephanie <laughs> wanted to jump in here. She was holding up her hand, but she was letting me know we have two minutes to break. Thank All you, right. producer Stephanie. Yes, Woo! thank you for that. Uh, I was like, wow, that's weird. You've never said anything in like the two years. I have a question. I think this is the point at which we recognize we have come awfully close to uh, squandering maybe the first half of our program. 
Um, <laughs> no, I don't think it's squandered. No, this I don't is, think it's squandered either. This yeah. is really important and really helpful as we as we think about what the law is and what the law does. And uh, I know you had mentioned before, Pastor Smith, confirmation class. And I know I was taught that the law shows us our sin and the gospel shows us our Savior with those parallel SOSs. And that's usually the the second function of the law as it shows us our sin, uh, ultimately to show us our Savior. The law doesn't just do that. And I think that's kind of where we probably our transition point from saying last week we talked about the whole law which doesn't just show us our sin but we we definitely need to talk about how the law shows us our sin drives us to despair we end up uh thunderstruck i guess uh thunderbolted and <laughs> head into this idea of wow what are we going to do because i certainly have uh messed up in terms of god's law and that's not okay you're absolutely right. It is a good transition point, and I hope Stephanie's on her toes because I'm just going to go ahead and throw us to break now rather than starting the conversation and coming back. So if you love us and this show, you will come right on back after break. Ooh. <laughs> This is the day which the Lord has made. For the lonely and homebound, for the grieving and dying, and for all those who are afflicted in body, mind, and spirit, especially for me. Join us for a live broadcast of Chapel at the LCMS International Center weekdays at 10 a.m. on KFUO. David is a dreamer. I want to travel the world and see what lies beyond that hill. A dreamer who makes a bold choice. I love you, Father. You know that, but I can't take over the farm. A bold choice that leads to adventure. Who keeps this double-barreled gun beside you? The prodigal son came to his senses. The question is, will he? Please, God, save me. On the next Lamplighter Theater. Saturday mornings at 11. Proverbs 27, 17 tells us, Iron sharpens iron, and one man sharpens another. That's why weekday mornings at 8 a.m., two Missouri Synod pastors test their mettle against the Holy Scriptures, certain that not only will they come out better for it, but so will you. The sword of the Spirit is sharp to the touch, but you need practice wielding it. Check out Sharper Iron, 8 a.m., every weekday on Worldwide KFUO. In a day when numerous concerns about money and safety abound in this fallen world, there is still a beacon of hope in Christ Jesus spreading the gospel message of mercy. Worldwide, KFUO has been a good steward of donations, ensuring the safety of funds our listener-supported ministry receives. If you have questions about donating to keep this worldwide ministry healthy, send an email to gifts at kfuo.org. Some of the earliest known examples of Christian art portraying biblical figures are actually underground. In miles of tunnels outside the walls of Rome, images carved and painted during the early centuries of Christianity marked the burial chambers of Christians. 
Images still visible in the catacombs include a shepherd, loaves and fish, and grapevines, all connected to imagery from Jesus' teachings in the New Testament. I am the good shepherd, I am the bread of life, and I am the true vine. Old Testament narratives represented include Noah's Ark, the sacrifice of Isaac, and the life of Jonah. Visitors to Rome would do well to see both the magnificent artwork in cathedrals above ground and biblical imagery captured in the underground art of the catacombs. Engage with the Bible and its impact on history, culture, and art. Brought to you by Museum of the Bible in Washington, D.C. And welcome to, welcome, welcome to the, wow. Welcome back to Concord Matters. Wow. Welcome back to Concord Matters. What a flub there. I'm just so excited because there's so much to talk about in law and repentance. And and we're just barely scratching the surface on the article of repentance. But it's all centered on Jesus. Of course, we are on Concord of this. But to to do that, we have our core... I thought he almost said Choral Community of Christ Confessing Compatriots. Wow. And that would have been awesome, but we are officially failure. having too I'm much not fun. even wearing orange today. That was I yesterday. Am, I am going to be fired. Coral? Okay. Orange? Let's try this. Our cohort, core <laughs> cohort of Christ Confessing Concordians, Layman Peter Slayton, Pastor Peter Lill, myself, Pastor Sean Smith, who is going to get fired from his hosting responsibilities, <laughs> but that's okay. No, no, this just makes it more entertaining. We're good. <sighs> Something like that. I'm glad it's entertaining for I'm you. I'm afraid that we're the Lutheran equivalent to car talk at this point. Just um, only for this first minute. Right. We'll, we'll okay. get into it. We're going to get here. into we're it. We're going to start making broken car sounds here in a second, and then just, we're going to be off I'm to the races. I'm just so excited about this. I, I, I can't think about how I want to talk. Let's read about Thunderbolts, then. And that's our job on the radio. So let's do this. All right, let's jump into... I, I read the first paragraph of Article 3 on repentance from the Small Called Articles, Part 3 of the Small Called Articles. Again, these are written by Martin Luther himself uh, and, 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 and go nicely with the Augsburg Confession written by Philip Melanchthon and, and the apology of that. Um, that uh, th- This is a, a, a faithful testimony of this is what we believe, teach, and confess as Lutherans on these articles of the faith. And so uh, we, as we continue to talk about repentance, I remind you that it connects in nicely with the law and sin and everything else. And, of course, the, the great chief article on the doctrine of justification um, all plays into this as well. And so we, we've been echoing that in the first half of the show, but let's dig in here. So paragraph two is where I'm going to pick up of article three from the small called articles on repentance. This is God's thunderbolt. By the law, he strikes down both obvious sinners and false saints. Uh, just a reminder, I, I spent all that time setting up that connection with the previous article because he, he actually says that's what the law does, is it reveals those obvious sinners and, and false yep. saints, right? Uh, so he's, he's connecting this together. He declares no one to be in the right, but drives them all together to terror and despair. This is the hammer. As Jeremiah says, is not my word like a hammer that breaks the rock in pieces, Twenty three twenty nine. This is not active contrition or manufactured repentance. It is passive contrition, true sorrow of heart, suffering, and the sensation of death. This is what true repentance means. Here a person needs to hear something like this. You are all of no account, whether you are obvious sinners or saints in your own opinions. You have to become different from what you are now. You have to act differently than you are now acting, whether you are as great, wise, powerful, and holy as you can be. 
here, no one is godly. And I would say uh, that definitely echoes uh, Romans, you know, no one seeks God here. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, it's not cited there uh, in, in what's written, but I think very clearly behind that teaching, definitely. All right, so we're going to pause there. Go ahead and jump in. Talk about the thunderbolt. Talk about the hammer. I mean, I love <laughs> the imagery that he's using yeah. here. It's very powerful. And usually when we talk about repentance, we talk about it in terms of turning, that to repent is to turn from your sin and turn to Christ, turn to life. But the way that it, that Pastor Luther describes it here is even more than that, because when we usually think about repenting, it's something that, well, we'd like to be involved in, and and we have some kind of free will in our turning, we think. But the truth is that none of us by ourselves are able to turn or to go anywhere. I've said it before and I'll say it again. My repenter, my ability to turn, my repenter is broken. And it's, it's still, still broken. It's still broken. <laughs> so, yeah. we've, we've talked about this before in different confessional writings. And we have this, this truth that we cannot turn ourselves from our sin. We have to be struck down, hammered apart, and it is the work of God's Word, working in the law, that does just that. So, so Layman Slayton, I'm going to cut you off, sorry, because no! I'm hosting, I can do this. Hold on Go to your ahead. thought, write down a note, yep. whatever you need to do. Um, and, 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 and talking about there, because it hammers you, this is what God's Word does. I want to pick up on that. Um, and this is kind of where I was trying to get us to go at the end of the show last time. And, and we fell into a common trap, like you were trying to tell me my sins, right? You were trying to tell me where I was wrong. I was trying to lead you. I was playing devil's advocate. It might be a new factor to our show. I might do this more often. I like playing devil's advocate. Okay. But, uh, you know, I was trying to, to get you to, to just use God's word and let it do its work. Let it convict me. And, st- and I think we fall into this trap. I know I fall into this trap as a pastor. I can look out at my people, right? And I'd say, oh, I know what your sin is, and I just want to tell you, right? Uh, whereas I can just present God's word. And especially when we understand that it does the work, and it functions in three ways, right? Uh, which which then plays into that as well, that I, I, I can say, so I'll give an example, third commandment, right? Remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy, right? And we and we definitely teach uh, according to the catechism that that is just honoring God's word at all times, right? And so uh, I, I can, in my mind, say, well, I want to give this to my people in a third function way, right? I want, mm. I want to encourage them to do their devotions and things like that, uh, but, but then just applying to myself, right? So I say that, and I may in, be intending it for one purpose, but this is what it does to me. So Sunday night, um, you know, there, there was this like big hockey game, I heard something about yeah, that going on. Yeah, and uh, for our listeners who are not in the St. Louis area, uh, they know about it. There's this there's this <laughs> Stanley Cup thing happening. Uh, by the way, thinking of our listeners who are in the St. Louis area or not, uh, if you want to call and interact with us, uh, <laughs> please feel free to you do so at one eight hundred eight two one zero eight fifty one eight hundred eight two one. No, it's not. Oh, I'm sorry. One eight hundred seven three zero two seven two seven. All right, back they to took my away idea. the number, and yeah. uh, you can send us emails at kfuo radio at kfuo at kfuo dot org or reach us on social media at kfuo. Radio. All right. So back to there my example here. So I, I, I give the encouragement of the third commandment, right? Um, but then for me, right, it, it, it's meant to be a guide. But for me, I recognize that I failed to have devotions with my that. family. Yeah. 
right? And and I, I can make excuses and say, well, we had divine service that morning. It was Pentecost. I had the Lord's Supper at both my dual parishes, right? I mean, look at how great I'm doing in that end and everything. I mean, what's what's a little time to watch a hockey game? And but But I didn't honor God's word, and I didn't set that example consistently for my family in doing it and it, and I and I failed to do so. And so it actually is a mirror showing me how far I far I fell short, right? And so it has hammered me. It's come like a thunderbolt, right? Yeah. And it convicts me of my sin, right? And and this is what God's word will do. And and it also speaks to this issue of we can't control it, right? We we present the law. The law is the law and it will do its work, right? And so uh there's a lot of freedom when we come to recognize that too. Um but uh it it will uh we we've talked about the Latin on here lex semper accusat the law always accuses us not only what it does, but it will always accuse and and, uh, and show us how far we fall short. And so it it will do that function. And all we got to do is just present God's word on this, right? That's actually great that you said all that, because what I wanted to say fits perfectly in with that anyway. So, and I think one of the things you put your finger on is part of the problem with this is if I am, if I, Peter, am trying to crush you, Pastor Smith, that's a, that's actually not my role. So what the 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 part that jumped out to me here was the the passive contrition that this is this it happens to you. So Luther makes this distinction between active contrition, fake, manufactured repentance, and then passive contrition. And the point he's making is even this repentance, this turning that you do, turning from your sin, this being crushed, all of it is passive. It it happens to you. You are not working it up within yourself to make it happen, which is why we separate out, to a certain extent, contrition somewhat from our from our emotional experience of it. You know, I want to make sure that you feel badly enough, that you that you really feel bad about what you do. No, that's that's not what contrition necessarily is. We actually have talked about this before in that it's ag- agreeing with God that you've sinned. This part this part of repentance is agreeing God, yes, I have transgressed your law. I have broken it. And now I'm being crushed by you and your word as as a result of that. But it's happening to me. I don't have to look within myself and figure, okay, how can I make myself feel bad? How can I make myself agree with God? I mean, that's the point of this passive language. And same thing as a, as a preacher or myself as a father, as I'm talking to my children or as I'm talking to, you know, a friend as we're discussing these things if if i'm trying to make you feel a certain way or to make you repent in a, of, of a certain thing and i'm really pushing you with my goal being to crush you my role is not to crush you my role as you've said is to speak god's word and it becomes a bit like the Pharisees okay. then, too. And and I think this even plays out in our silly example at the end. Of, we just ran out of time to kind of flush the <laughs> idea. But we're talking about, you know, our, you know, unfortunately, Lehman Slayton is a, is a fan of the worst and most evil team of all time. The, the Cardinals? Ooh, I gotcha. <laughs> no. And, uh, and I'm a Cardinal fan. But, uh, so, so we were kind of bantering back and forth and, and this was kind of played out, right? You know, yeah. that, you know, you, you can be in agreement with what God's word says. You know, I should be reading my Bible instead of watching the Cardinals, which was also going on on Sunday night, by the way, right? <laughs> um, but, but what it, what happened there? I dug my heels in when I was playing de- devil's advocate, not just because I was trying to be difficult because this is what we do. It's, yeah. it's man's word against God's word and yep. your word is a lot less powerful, right? 
And so I'm going to dig that in and, and self-justify and all sorts of other things. And we'll do that some against God's word too. But his word really has power. And and when I have those fruits of faith that are born of faith, right, that I do love God, right, um, I'm going to love his word. And so when God's word is presented to me, it's just going to crush and kill me and say, wow, I really should be <laughs> reading my, my scriptures instead of spending time watching the Cardinals and Blues and things like that, right? Um, but if, if you just try to come and hammer me with it, uh, you have a smaller hammer that doesn't, you know, <laughs> really do anything, right? As Too far with the imagery. Is that what you're trying to say with that yeah. stupid looking face there, Pastor Hill? That's just the normal. <laughs> yeah. Because Sean is talking, Pastor Hill has no. a dumb look on his face. No. Anyway, go ahead. It has nothing to do with Sean talking. It's just how I am. But as Luther was writing, he was writing uh, about active and passive contrition uh, in in terms of where people were in his day and his time. And it was common that when you would go to your pastor or your priest uh, and ask him to hear confession, he would ask you to do things to show that you were really sorry. Uh, it might be prayers, it might be trips, it might be... Uh, Giving alms. Giving alms right. uh, and supporting the poor. Take your pick of, of all the Whipping different things he might have asked you to do. Uh, that was kind of Luther just being crazy. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, that one wasn't too common. Okay. But we that's not just something that's seen 500 years ago. That's something that we try to do today, too. Uh, if you really want to be forgiven, if you want to come back to church then you need to show us that you're serious. You know, maybe we'd like you to get up and give a little statement that you have, you have sinned and we'd, and, and you're going to try to do better. Maybe we would like to see you put your money where your mouth is and we expect you to self justify or you should wear so, better clothes or you would expect your, you would expect better from yourself. Well, if I'm going to go back to church, I have to, I have to be the perfect Christian. Uh, and if I'm going to do this, if I, I fell into this sin or that sin, and since I can't ever do that again, I need to set up these uh, warning places so that I wouldn't do that anymore. And we get so fixated on what we are doing to stop sinning or to be sorry that we lose sight of the fact that there is nothing, absolutely nothing that we can do to keep ourselves from our sin and our sinfulness and it takes God's word to hammer at us because by ourselves, our, our ability to repent still doesn't work. So, so maybe this is a bit unfair because I didn't give you guys any kind of prep time to think about this. And I talked about how it's difficult to think and keep the mouth moving and all that kind of stuff. But let, let's apply this then to the situation given to us with the mother having an abortion right and 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 what that love looks like and, and leading in repentance that that will be passively worked by the power of God's word right how might we have that conversation trusting that this this is the fruit that God's word will work well i i think one of the things that we perhaps do too quickly is jump straight to the abortion as murder because even though i was the one who earlier said you know natural law seems to apply less and less I do still think in this situation, when when an abortion has occurred, when a mother has done that, there is something deep down that says something is wrong. Something happened. They, they, they might not have the full extent of it, the full understanding, but there's something in there that says that something broke, something happened. And there's an awareness of that and also a massive avoidance and a big reaction against, I don't, I don't want to think about that, don't want to talk about that. And so 
I think what we're actually getting into now is is the art of the application of law and gospel. Um, because I think as Lutherans, we very quickly fall into the trap of you must give law first, and then you must give gospel, and in no other order can you do them. Well, it's it's messier than that because we're dealing with people. We're not dealing with theological principles. We're not dealing with the systematics thing. We're dealing with people. And I think there is a case where you may we may need to come alongside that woman and say, I love you anyways. I, I love you in the midst of this, in the midst of your pain, in the midst of this difficulty. I love you. And in that context, let's talk about that. And not only that, but Jesus actually loves you. And the only reason I can love you is because he loves you and he loved you first, and that's the only reason I can. And let's let's talk about what that looks like and how that comes from. And I guarantee you, you will get to the sin and the law portion of it eventually as that conversation goes. But I don't know if we need to start right there. And I know that's when, when these questions come up in Bible study as I'm sitting listening, it's almost always like, well, how do I give them the law in a way that they'll hear it properly? It's like, well, maybe maybe that's not the place to start. Maybe that's part of the difficulty of this push back feel free to disagree (laughs) as we do this uh, i had a seminary professor who often used this example of abortion uh and you know so you know think about it guys you're sitting in your study and one day a woman comes in and she knocks on your door and standing there in the doorway she says hey pastor is abortion sinful uh and there's a knee-jerk desire to answer that question right away but he said before you give an answer, smile, take a deep breath and say, why would you like to know? What's going on? Why don't you have a seat? And and start with hearing a little bit more. Uh, Luther said that the doctrine of law and gospel is so simple that a child can understand it, but it is an art to apply it. Yeah. And that's exactly what it is. And so to start by showing that you care and you just don't want to, you don't want to be the thunderer, but you simply want to say... Hey, God cares about you so much that he sent his son into the world to die for you so that you believe in him and have eternal life. Therefore, let's chat about what's going on and to construct it as a chat instead of a correction, uh, because it may well be that someone is coming to you out of great remorse for an abortion that they've already had and you don't want to, to pile on to that. They are coming already broken and hammered and thunderstruck by the law, and they're looking for the comfort of the gospel. There are others who might just want to come and poke you in the ribs, and maybe they're thinking about having an abortion, and they're not sure what to think yet, but uh, an overly harsh answer to begin with may well not be helpful to that individual, and it might not be the best way of... of speaking God's word so that it properly does its work. And sometimes someone might hear what you're saying there and say, oh, well, then you're denying truth, you know, and, and I don't think that that's the case, right? We want to be clear on that. You're, right. you're not saying that all of a sudden, you know, it becomes a contextual thing, which, I, again, we didn't have the words in front of our in front of our face and we didn't see what the caller last uh, week, uh, you know, we didn't get that whole conversation that was going on. So we don't know where that pastor was coming from or, or any of those sorts of things playing into it. Um, but we're not, we're not saying in that, that kind of idea that, you know, well, you know, it, it, it's wiped out. It doesn't matter. It, it, it somehow contextually becomes not sin. Sometimes we're not saying that at all. Not at right? all. No. Uh, we're, we're just saying, you know, 
here is the matter of truth of what God's word presents. And, and how do we engage people in a way that leads them to seeing that truth and God's word will do that work and do that leading. And, and I think you, you hit on there, you know, you said something about being the thunderer or something. And, and, and I always have to, especially as, as a pastor in my pastoral care, you know, I, I want to be the hammer. I want to be the thunderer. And it gets, it does get me back a little bit too. It, it, it leads back into the freedom that we have that God's word will do the work. It's sharper yeah. than t- any two-edged sword. You know, all the scripture points us. We yep. we know and we, we, we say it. Do we actually trust the Holy Spirit to do what he promises to do? And, and that's what I'm alluding to. Yeah. When I'm trying to be the hammer, when I'm trying to be the thunderer, I'm not trusting the Holy Spirit. And so then that leads to an idol of myself, yeah. right? And yeah. I'm trusting myself to do the work and convince them and things like that. And, and that's, uh, again, to take us back to last week at the end of the show, that's what I was trying to do in playing devil's advocate was lead us in this, you know, just present God's word and it'll do the work right yeah and 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 maybe sometimes that comes with a little thought maybe it comes with a series of conversations um but i want to make sure that i don't do something to hinder that because i've all of a sudden directed to myself instead of god who gives us the truth and will lead in the truth right in in the same way that the functions of the law are not something we control the repentance is itself as passive as it happens to us yeah. I'm going to take us to a caller that we have with just a few minutes left in the show, but Ooh. we have Cheryl from Indianapolis, Indiana. This is uh, our same caller from last week, I believe. Oh, oh. well, yes. All right. We got to I wasn't up. in studio last week, oh, so I didn't right. really there see. Okay. Yeah. So, uh, Cheryl, go ahead. Okay. Thanks for taking my call. I just wanted to clarify that when I called last week, the online journal that I was reading, I heard about on Luther Quest. They were discussing it because it was about abortion. And the name of the online journal is Daystar Journal. And it's supposedly written by uh, Lutheran pastors in the LCMS. Supposed to be a gospel voice. So I had made uh, some comments on their uh, website, and then I had gotten a reply from the one pastor. And that he made all those statements about the law. But in my response to him... I um, I kind of was going for, um, like, the repentance part. Like, when Paul is talking to the Corinthians in 1 Corinthians 6, 20, where he's talking about sins against the body, and uh, he says, do, uh, do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit within you, whom you have from God? You are not your own, for you were bought with a price. So glorify God in your body. Doesn't that call for repentance? It it does indeed call for repentance, that we do glorify God in our bodies. And as we do that, we get to speak the truth in love and always with the eye of we are called to be faithful to our neighbor. And as we speak with them, we we always want to show the love of Christ. And and as we get to show the love of Christ, it is really, really important that we, because we've, uh, as we were talking before Cheryl called in this week, we said, you know, this is how we might respond in Christian love to, to someone in front of us. When we start talking about theology and about repentance, instead of talking to somebody directly in front of us, it's, it's a little bit of a different ballgame. But in this case, we say abortion is a case where we, we very clearly need to understand that's a person and and ending the life of that person 
is not consistent with God's will. It's not consistent with God's word. Uh, if I might jump in, please the, do. The example of the woman at the well comes to mind for me, right? That Jesus, who comes in love to show and demonstrate his love. Now, some might make the argument that, well, he hadn't died on the cross yet or anything of that nature, but he has that whole gospel ministry in mind when he, he lives out um, uh, his, his earthly ministry among us. And, and he confronts the woman in a very loving way, right? That leads her by the authority of his own word to see her sin. Right. And, and then he, he tells her, go and sin no more. Right. Uh, which then leads into repentance. And, and so I, I'm rushing here because there's only, I was just given only two minutes left here. But I, I think that that's our case and point example and so forth here. Um, I, I, I do want to touch on just this kind of a hard break to, to the, to the issue that's been brought up now in two shows in a row. Um, as far as the day start journal goes and, and because it was specifically pointed out, um, there have been at least historically, I, I don't know all of who's involved with that. Um, LCMS pastors that were involved with that. I do know that the editor editor of that um, periodical um, has been removed from the roster of the Lutheran Church Missouri Senate or resigned or something to that effect. And there was a series of ironically tying in with uh, trying to lead in repentance, presenting the truth of God's word and and teachings that he had uh, among others involved in that that stand against what we believe, teach and confess on the basis of scripture in the Lutheran Church Missouri Senate. And so we have that comfort to know that while while these things are out there, we, we recognize we live in a sin broken world and, and that there's a lot of conflicting ideas out there in our culture and and so forth and and we address the situations as they come up and so you have this comfort that our church body does address these things in love leading to repentance and when there's a lack of repentance uh you know there's there's certainly place for church discipline and things of that nature as well as we as we have these conversations but all of it is still done and covered in love uh because of the love that god has for us uh i was just given 30 seconds left and so we'll just go ahead and wrap it up there Layman Slayton, you have any parting thoughts before you go? I, the the repentance is something that God does to us. I just want to reiterate that this this we keep wanting to make it something we do ourselves. We keep wanting to make others do what we think they should do. We keep wanting to use this against others, and and I think that's what we need to be careful of when we are talking about the law. When we are talking about repentance, it's Christ's work. The Holy Spirit's work in us to do these things, not ours. Christ calls us to repentance, right? And we believe in his word, which also saves us. That is the great love that he has shown to us. And then we live in love towards God and towards the neighbor as a fruit of that repentance. That's what we've been talking about today. There's so much more to talk about it. So please come on back next week as our next host takes us further into this conversation. Thanks for stopping by today. And until next time, keep confessing, church. 